Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Boll, Director of Public Affairs, and joining me today is our brand new president of the organization, Garrett Hawkins. Garrett, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks, Eric, for the opportunity. It's been quite a whirlwind of the first few days here. Uh, we're speaking on Monday morning, uh, and you've been president now for a week, so it has been uh, a lot of, I know, uh, a lot of challenges to get up to speed and figure out which uh, which way is up. But uh, how do you feel like you're holding up so far? Honestly, I had a great first week, Eric. I, as I was driving home Friday uh, evening, um, I had the chance to kind of replay the week in my head, and I thought, wow, it has been a great week. Um, I feel like I have come home, so to speak. Uh, it's been great to see so many familiar faces. And uh, as, as Jennifer and the kids and I spent time together this weekend, all I could keep all I could keep thinking about was just how incredibly grateful we are for this chance to serve um, at the behest of our members. It's uh, definitely an honor, and I know you take that very seriously. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for the uh, viewers or for the listeners out there who may not already know you. Tell us a little about your background and uh, what, what got you involved in Farm Bureau. Well, I'm a third-generation farmer from Appleton City, Missouri. Uh, we actually farm on the St. Clair Bates County line. Uh, my home county is St. Clair, but uh, Bates County through the years has adopted me as well <laughs> since we literally farm right on uh, right on the county line. You know, I came to Farm Bureau through youth programs, and, and that's really the mindset um, of where I come from, uh, having been involved in Collegiate Farm Bureau at then Southwest Missouri State, now Missouri State University, uh, serving as Collegiate Chapter President uh, before I graduated. I uh, had the chance to to be involved in the ambassador contest of representing my home county and, and ultimately was selected as the male ambassador for the state and then capped off the youth experience with a summer internship um, in legislative programs back in the day. And, and that really was what cemented my my passion for Farm Bureau and for advocacy. It cemented my understanding and appreciation for the grassroots structure of Farm Bureau, uh, particularly on the policy development side. And, um, you know, as I think back, it was those youth experiences that truly opened the door for then for me to to serve the organization as director of national legislative programs in a full-time capacity after I graduated. Mm -hmm. And you did stay in that position for quite some time. I think that's where I would say the, the majority of our members who are familiar with you is because of your time in that role. Um, tell us a little more about those years and, and what that was like for you and what you learned out of that experience. Well, I, I like to, to kid members. Uh, you know, when I started, I was 22 years old. Mm. I was the youngest in that position, I think, uh, of anyone else in the country. And uh, I'll just never forgetting traveling the countryside, spending time at county annual meetings, getting to know county leaders, and then diving into the issues. And, you know, I'll never forget the hot button issue uh, uh, that my first summer on board was country of origin labeling. And oh, yeah. it's funny, uh, that issue is back on the scene today. <laughs> uh, sometimes issues never seem to go away. They just maybe ebb and flow a little bit. Um, but it was, you know... I, as I think through my almost 15 years of service, you know, I was in the role of carrying uh, our members' voices to Washington, D.C., working uh, with our American Farm Bureau staff as well as state farm bureaus and building coalitions to, to help advance uh, issues that are important to our members. And, you know, those were great experiences, leading members to Washington, D.C. themselves uh, every March for our grassroots uh, trip. Um, 
But probably some of the most enjoyable times, Eric, were the times that I spent traveling around the state, uh, working directly with members, learning about the issues that impact their operations and the issues on their minds uh, as, as stakeholders in their rural communities. Wonderful. Well, it's, uh, it's great that you've had the opportunity to see the organization from so many different angles, I think. Um, and you, like you say, started out from the very uh, youngest rungs of the ladder down in the ambassador uh, contest and then working your way up through as a, as a staff member for many years. Uh, but then also you haven't been at Farm Bureau for a couple of years. You took some time away and did a couple of different things. Can you tell us about those experiences? Well, sometimes you gain a whole new appreciation when you step outside right. of where you're at, right? And um, elections always bring opportunities as well as uh, challenges. In 2016, it was a monumental election in a lot of ways. Um, it led to the appointment of one of our own, Chris Chin, to be director of agriculture. And that set in motion the, the wheels for, for me to serve as deputy, to, to man the ship, so to speak, over there on a day-to-day -day basis. Eric, it was one of the tough decisions I've ever had to make uh, because I truly loved serving Farm Bureau. We had actually started, we had migrated home to the family farm. Uh, my grandfather's passing uh, set in motion uh, the chance for us to, to take over part of the operation. And so we had already done that whenever the 2016 election happened. And um, it just made sense to answer the call to serve, uh, to not only serve Farm Bureau members, but the chance to serve all farmers and ranchers in the state it truly was an eye-opening experience. It gave me the chance to see Farm Bureau in a different light. It also gave me the chance to manage a workforce across the state uh, to implement uh, the department's first strategic plan in almost two decades and actually put into, <laughs> put into practice a lot of the things that I was personally concerned about from a regulatory standpoint. Mm -hmm. the, actual, the actual chance to not talk about regulatory reform but be in a position to, to work with ag and rural stakeholders to implement regulatory reform. Yeah. It was just a great experience. Well, it's definitely different being uh, the decision maker or one of the decision makers as opposed to lobbying the decision makers. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that you had that angle of experience, too, to see it from a different uh, perspective. Um, now, over the past couple of years, uh, you've stepped back uh, from the department. I guess uh, last year, was it, that you uh, stepped away from the Department of Agriculture and moved full-time back to the family farm. And uh, what, what was that transition like after so many years of service here in Jeff City? Uh, what was it like to go back home and, and be on the farm full-time? Well, Eric, let, let, me, let me say this first. You know, I've spent a career serving agriculture and always working to make sure that our farmers and ranchers thrive, but also for those that want to be involved in production agriculture. I've worked through previous farm bills to make sure that, that there are opportunities, whether it's loans, um, different programs, right, uh, at the state and federal level. So for me, uh, you know, Farm Bureau folks have heard me talk from the time that I was on the ambassador stage that my dream has been to be on the farm. And mm -hmm. that's where Jennifer and I have wanted to raise the kids. So it has been a dream come true to, to be on the family farm, the part that we own. We're the third generation to, to operate this part of the farm. Um, it has been a dream to be in my home community, to be involved at the local level. And in a certain sense, I've been involved in discussions in Washington, D.C., Jefferson City, and now it's local. So I, I've almost gone about things uh, backwards, uh, <laughs> but that's quite all right. And so, you know, the kids, it's been great. You know, our operation, we're primarily a grazing operation. We do own uh, some row crop acres, but 
Uh, Jennifer and I both uh, have a passion for livestock, and that's where we're putting more emphasis right now, um, more time and energy, so in growing our, our cattle operation. Uh, I will say we're diversifying how we look at <laughs> forage utilization. We've added a few small ruminants uh, just to uh, <coughs> some sheep just to see how they do in terms of overall grazing management. Um, so something we're excited about, and I guess I've always had a big picture um, mentality when it comes to production ag, Eric, and uh, I've never judged how someone wants to be involved in production agriculture. I just want them to be involved in production agriculture, and so I'm a big tent kind of guy. My operation may not look like someone else's, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, and you, uh, you mentioned Jennifer, your wife, and I know you have three children as well. Tell us a little bit about your family. So I, uh, I'm very blessed. So Jennifer was raised on a dairy farm down just east of Joplin along I-44, Sarcoxy. Her parents still have the dairy uh, in operation today. Okay. Yep. It's one of the few. <laughs> one of the few. Uh, she was uh, a Jersey queen back in the day. They wow. were a full registered uh, Jersey herd. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the herd is a little bit more diverse today, but uh, very proud that her family is still milking her brother, um, moved to, to central Missouri, and he, and along with uh, his sons, are operating a dairy here. So um, I guess you could say there's been expansion in the Bloss family in terms of their footprint in, in the dairy industry. So we're, we're proud of that. Uh, bucking the trend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, actually, uh, we actually took care of uh, some of their replacement heifers a, a couple of years ago and incorporated them into our operation uh, for a little while. Uh-huh. Um, so our kids, Adeline is 11, she's in middle school, uh, Colton is 9, and uh, Tate is 6. Uh, so they are all agriculture all the time. Uh, the boys, uh, well, all the kids love hunting and just doing everything that you can imagine. Very involved in 4-H. Jennifer's actually co-leader of our local 4-H club. Mm-hmm. And uh, she taught high school agriculture for 12 years here in mid-Missouri. And uh, now she helps me with farm work and uh, does some contract jobs for, for an agriculture education curriculum company. Very good, very good. Well, with all those broad experiences and uh, <laughs> different things you've done just in the past decade, decade and a half, uh, what, what led you to decide to run for this position as president of Missouri Farm Bureau? Was it those experiences you had and that you drew from there, or was it things that uh, other people brought to your attention Um, over the course of the last year or two when you were back home? Well, Eric, I'd say it's a combination effect. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always had a dream of serving Farm Bureau um, as as more with my farmer and member hat on and didn't know exactly what that looked like, but had hoped that someday that opportunity to, to serve in that capacity would come. I'd say being home on the farm and being involved in my local community and seeing issues firsthand, serving um, on my local hospital board and being involved in health care issues, which, as we all know, are critical to farm and ranch families. Uh, It's just brought about uh, an even greater perspective and a greater sense of, of a call to serve. And so when I think about my kids and when I think about the future of Farm Bureau, you know, I want them to to want to be involved. I want them to do business with Farm Bureau. So as I traveled around the state, you know, as I visited with members the last few months, you know, I I always ask the questions, why do you belong? And and why do you do business with Farm Bureau? And without a doubt, every person can usually point to why did they join or who encouraged them to join, right? And they can talk about their local Farm Bureau staff um, that they do business with to help manage risk in their personal lives and in their businesses. 
But the question is that I always love to pose, can your kids and grandkids answer those questions? Mm -hmm. And truly, that's why I got in the race, to really focus on the future of Farm Bureau and the family of insurance companies and to really drive the discussions with members about where we want to be 10 to 20 years from now. Yeah. And with that in mind, I know you, I believe, are the youngest Farm Bureau president in America right now. Um, You certainly are the youngest we've had in Missouri. Um, And I I know you don't, as the youngest, that only lasts for so long because people catch up to you uh, eventually. So you you can't make that your entire identity. But it it does play a factor in who you are and and how you perceive things. How do you think that your your age and your, your angle at looking at things is going to be beneficial to the organization? Well, I, I should give a disclaimer. Um, as usual, my spouse can provide a good dose of reality. Um, as we <laughs> That's were always the case, as right? we were praying and spending time talking about this, I, I asked the question, you know, do you think I'm too young? And my wife's response, without hesitation, was, "You do understand you're a middle-aged man now, right?" <laughs> so it's again, all relative. It's all relative. Um, Again, I think throughout my career in service to agriculture, as I've worked with our with our members and staff, uh, they know I'm full of energy and enthusiasm. The passion I have for agriculture and advocacy is truly genuine. Um, this was never a job to me. It's always been about service and speaking to and trying to be an advocate for the issues that affect all of our members, but also their issues that affect my family and our ability to farm. So I've always taken it seriously, and hopefully, um, for however long our members want me to serve, I will be every bit as energetic and enthusiastic about this chance to carry this responsibility um, to all levels to to influence um, policy positively Mm -hmm. uh, for this organization. Great. And how do you how do you want to be seen as you know, people, of course, are going to develop an opinion about you uh, and and you're going to have your uh, general perspective that people look at you as. How do you want to be seen by the membership and by people across the country? Well, I I want my energy be energy to be um, contagious. Mm Uh, I truly, you know, I feed off of the energy from members, and I want to give off that energy in a symbiotic way. At the same time, for those that have worked with me in the past, they know I'm not afraid to tackle the tough issues. That, you know, I believe in having the tough conversations, that the issues that, that we talk about as families around our dinner table are tough. Uh, when we talk about pocketbook pocketbook issues, but also issues that are just affecting our overall livelihoods. And so um, I want to be known as the one that's willing to dig in, uh, that's not afraid to back down, that's willing to, to build bridges, but at the end of the day, hold true to Farm Bureau policy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not only what our members in Missouri will see, but they, see, they will see that I will carry that perspective um, within the American Farm Bureau as well. Very good. And just looking at the, the upcoming outlook for the next year, uh, 2021, it's going to be a strange year again. Of course, we had the pandemic in 2020. Uh, we're still going to be dealing with that through a lot of 2021. What do you see uh, 2021 looking like for our organization? And, and how do you think that we're going to, uh, I guess, handle some of those things that those curveballs that COVID throws at us? Well, it's certainly been an interesting year, particularly from my perspective, being at home on the farm and in a rural community where just now are we truly starting to see the real uptake in cases and and so on. So I guess I'd say this. um, 
we all want a sense of normalcy, right? I can't go anywhere and not talk to a member that is just craving normalcy in our lives, in our businesses, in our communities. And um, we're going to continue to work, right, together, collectively, stronger together to, to try to move towards a, a place of normalcy again. But we're still not there. I'd say it's still our responsibility, though, as we think about change in administration in Washington, D.C., I think all of us recognize that the regulatory climate is going to be different than what we've had the last four years. It may return to more what it was like the eight years prior. And Missouri Farm Bureau has a, a clear track record of being involved in digging into regulatory issues, at being effective advocates for our farm and ranch families and our communities as we tackle those regulatory issues. We've shown that we can be creative in, in telling our story and and, and uh and so on. So while it may be challenging, I am optimistic because I know that our farmers and ranchers expect us to dig in, to tackle the tough stuff, and to be as effective as we can at advocating on their behalf. Yeah, yeah well, that's certainly something I think that the organization's become known for, and uh, in large part due to the efforts you've made in various uh, capacities over the years. So I, I know that you're going to continue that. Um, what uh, What do you think about in-person events, you know, are we going to be, Missouri Farm Bureau is driven uh, by events a lot of times. That's kind of how we get through the years from uh, annually we have our commodity uh, conference or our agritourism conference or things like that throughout the year, not not to mention annual meeting. When are we going to be back to doing those in-person things? Well, I want as soon as possible, Eric. <laughs> I would say this. Uh, as we have discussions internally amongst staff and with board of directors, my underlying question for any event or any process is going to be, how can we make this as close to the grassroots as possible? I mean, that's what I've seen the last few months um, as I've traveled the state. And again, it looks a little different. Counties have gotten creative in a lot of ways and doing annual meetings and, and having other meetings. But my underlying question will always be, how do we make this as close to the members, as grassroots as possible? They are, we are the foundation. The county is the foundation of this organization, and we're only as strong as, as our counties. So I, I fundamentally believe getting it as close to the members, keeping it as close to the members as possible while being safe in, in this environment. But there's your heads up. That's going to be my question for any event that we're going to talk about is how do we make it as normal and as close to the members as possible? Great. Very good. I think that's a good approach. Um, well, as we wrap up, we always are trying to ask a little bit of a personal question um, in uh, to our guests on the podcast. This whole interview has been pretty personal, but I think that we can get even deeper on it. So um, my question to you is, you have spent a lot of uh, time on the road over the past 20 years uh, going to county annual meetings uh, all over the state. I don't even know. Do you know how many county annual meetings you've been to or how many counties you have or haven't hit? I should have kept a running tally yeah. through the years. I think my record in one year or one fall, and I will count fall from July to basically October, I believe it was 32, and wow. that was when we That's were fighting. That was when we were fighting cap and trade. Wow. Yeah, and we had the cap and no cap and tax campaign. Yeah, wow. That was that's a lot of time on the road. So my question then, with all that experience, is what is the number one? What's the best county annual meeting meal you've had? And number two, what's the worst? And you don't have to name counties on at least on the second one. Okay, you're expecting me to pick a favorite child. Yes, here. that's right. I, am. <laughs> and I can't do that. Uh, 
I will say probably um, my one of my most memorable county annual meetings uh, because of food served or a side dish served was liver dumplings uh, in St. Genevieve County. And the county was so gracious uh, to box me up extra so I could bring home for the family to share. And it was liver dumplings and there there there's brown gravy that served with it. And I love county annual meetings, particularly from the sense if they incorporate local flair into into the menu. And so that was always one of my highlights uh, was being able to bring that dish home. That was an annual meeting that my family wasn't able to attend. So I was able to bring a a little taste back uh, for the family. Uh-huh. So. There you go. Well, that's an interesting one. Mm -hmm. And that could apply to either best or worst, depending on your perspective. (laughs) Some people love those meals and some people are not so fond. But, well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and look forward to working with you. I know that you have a lot on your plate right now, but um, we're looking forward to what, what comes in the next few months and years. Well, thank you, Eric. And let me just say this to the members. Thank you for all that you do as we close out 2020. Uh, find the blessings, find the little things that uh, were highlights from this past year. I know for me, as I look back on 2020 with all the difficulty, uh, I can say without a doubt that that God put my family and I on a journey that uh, we didn't know what the outcome would be, but we felt in our hearts and our guts that there was a, a, a call to serve. And we are incredibly grateful that uh, voting delegates would would see our heart, feel our heart and what's here and know that our call to serve is truly genuine. And uh, I can only say get ready for 2021. Uh, Saddle up everybody because we're going to have a great year. We are going to find the positives. We're going to make the most of it. And uh, we are going to take this organization to to yet another level. And uh, I am so thankful to have Blake Hurst and Charlie Cruz as mentors, presidents that I've watched through the years and studied. And just very thankful for this chance to serve. Well, and as you were talking, I was just remembering when you and I first met 10 years ago when I was working for Congresswoman Hartzler and uh, she had just started. We had the first week or two, some question come up about agriculture policy and I was working on the Ag Committee. Uh, I was doing her work for the Ag Committee and I brought it to her and I remember she said, well, what does Garrett Hawkins think about this? And I said, Garrett who? <laughs> who the heck is that guy? And she was like, you better get to know Garrett Hawkins. You're going to need to know what he uh, has to say about things. So you've had a, a great reputation uh, for many years, and I look forward to seeing what you, uh, how you develop that in this new role. So appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Oh, thank you, Eric.